This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus. Hope Lives Friday side notes. Uh, On Fridays, we're going to delve into some side notes. And what are side notes? They may be historical issues that I want to deal with that give you a biblical perspective. It might be something economic, might be something from the Bible, might be some symbolism from the Bible, or it might even just be some ideas, philosophical, maybe even scientific that interest me and that I think the Bible either speaks to or they shed light on scripture and allow you to understand and see scripture in uh, maybe a new, a different, a more in-depth way than you saw it before. So uh, Friday Side Notes is a dealer's choice type situation for me in, in that I am going to just give you information that is important. Welcome to Friday Side Notes. We are continuing on in our study of the new birth, which we started last Friday. And uh, we want to really dive deep this uh, Friday into this whole uh, exchange that happened between Nicodemus and Jesus, Nicodemus being a Pharisee, uh, a ruler of the Jews, and that's what it says in John chapter 3, verse 1. He was an older man. If he was a a Pharisee, uh, he would have been one of the group that obviously held closely to the law. They believed in a spiritual life. They believed in an afterlife. Unlike the Sadducees, they believed that uh, once you die, life was over and there was nothing left. And, and I always say that's why they were sad. And you can tie that off and make that understanding clear in your mind. If there's nothing after life, life can be very sad and it can be more depressing if there's nothing to come afterwards. And obviously when when a person was a Sadducee, they were spiritual in the sense that they believed in God, but they did not believe in anything that was spiritual to follow. The Pharisees did. They believed in the Old Testament. They held closely to the law. Jesus even said to the Pharisees, listen, you guys are really close to the kingdom, but you're not in. And the reason is because they weren't born again. They weren't, they were not living by the spirit. They were trying to live by the law and the law just uh, reveals how sinful we are and how holy God is and our need for a redeemer I need for an atoning sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. Nicodemus was one of those. He's also a ruler of the Jews, which means that he was a um, he was a man who was seventy years old and was part of the seventy or the Sanhedrin who governed the Jewish people. And uh, the Bible says in John chapter three that he came to Jesus. It says in verse two, then he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. No, no, now notice he is placing himself as a student to Jesus, meaning he was literally trying to find out an answer. He wanted to know the answer. And he came to Jesus by night, which symbolically is a symbolism of ignorance. Now, remember, there's a difference between ignorance and someone who is stupid. If a person is stupid uh, or what we call uh, uh, dumb, that person is incapable of learning. And uh, that is a very negative thing to say about someone and, and should not be said very much about people. It is, it, it's just ugly in, in every respect. But 
many people are ignorant and all of us are ignorant about some things. And then what does that mean? Well, it just means we don't know. We don't understand. We don't get it. And to be ignorant is to be a person who is in need of being taught. And Nicodemus, being a wise man in his 70s, understood that he didn't understand everything. And maybe that's the greatest wisdom of all, is understanding that you do not understand everything. And he came to Jesus at night in ignorance, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, that's an important understanding. He says, I know that you're from God. He's laying that on the table. He's setting that aside. We're not having to argue about whether or not uh, you're from God or not from God, whether or not I'm to believe or not to believe you. I'm going to believe you. I know you come from God. I want you to answer my question. He says, for no one can do the, the signs that you do unless God was with him. And, and obviously the Jews had a superstition that there were three things that only God could do. And that was make the lame walk, the blind see, and raise the dead. And Nicodemus knew for sure, and maybe quite possibly had been there and seen Jesus make the lame walk, the blind see, and raise the dead. Quite possibly he was there when he raised Lazarus from the dead right before he had his triumphal entry. And so understanding that and seeing that, uh, Nicodemus says, I know you're from God because you couldn't do the things you're doing unless God was with you. And Jesus answered him because Jesus wants Nicodemus to understand. And he's getting right to the point, And he understands what Nicodemus is there to find out. Uh, he says to Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you. And I love when Jesus says most assuredly. That usually means uh, that the uh, truth is telling you that this is the truth. So you have truth squared. And what better can you have when you have truth squared? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. of That is an important phrase if he's going to tell Nicodemus, who's coming in the ignorance, but is saying by faith that he knows he comes from God and wants an answer. And he starts out by answering his question, even before the question is asked, he says to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, meaning he cannot experience the kingdom of God. He can't walk in it. He can't hear it. He can't understand it. It's not inside of him. You do not in any way have any ability to experience the kingdom of God unless you're born again. This perplexed Nicodemus, and obviously it would perplex Nicodemus. It would make him wonder, and it'd make him question. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And wow, that's a that's an obvious question. I like the way Nicodemus thinks. He, he is considering it, and he's saying, how can I, I be born when I'm old? He says, I'm 70 years old. My mom's probably been dead for a while. And how can I enter a second time in her womb and be born? And Jesus answered, and this is the answer that's really important in understanding the new birth. He says, most assuredly, notice he said it once now in verse 3. Now he's saying the second time in verse 5, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he's going he's to explain that because he wants him to understand that there's two types of births that he's talking about. One is born of water and one is born of spirit. He says in verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born is of the spirit is spirit. Well, obviously we can tie off what is born of the spirit is speaking to in verse five, being born of the spirit, not being born of water. And so he says 
that if you're born of flesh, you're born of flesh. And if you're born of spirit, you're born of spirit. And they're not the same thing. He's drawing a dichotomy. Now, he's not saying that you can only be born of one and not the other. What he's saying is that there is a difference between the two. And being born of water and being born of spirit are two separate things. Now, being born of water is the flesh. And you can see that which is born of flesh is flesh. That means being actually naturally born. And our flesh comes from our parents' flesh. We know that in detail in a way that they could have never known it back then. We understand that we literally get our genes and our DNA from our parents. And it's a combination of their uh, DNA. And uh, we get equal amount of genetic material from both sides. And so our flesh is literally a combination of our parents' flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. We know that even greater today to be true. Likewise, today we also know an even greater knowledge and understanding that spirit gives birth to spirit, which means the flesh does not give birth to the spirit. The flesh cannot conceive the spirit. The flesh cannot bring about the birth or making of the spirit. Only spirit can bring about spirit. And there's only one spirit that is bringing about a new creation of a new spirit. And that spirit is God's spirit, which we call the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. He is God in power. He's a God in, in eternity and time. And he's the God of life. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives birth to us of our spirit, gives us a new spirit. He says, uh, verse 7, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit, meaning the flesh can't figure it out. We can't watch it. It's like the wind. We can't see the wind blowing. Now, we can feel it. Uh, we can tell when it's been there. There's evidence of it, but we and we can hear it at times. But we cannot, we cannot tell from where it comes or where it's going. Now, you say we can now because we have weather and we have satellites. And the truth is, uh, sometimes I wonder about our weather forecasting because the truth is, if you chose the weather today to be exactly same as the weather yesterday, the likelihood that you are on target is just as good as a weather forecast that is two days from now. The truth is that we don't know where the wind is always blowing. We do know that it is blowing though. We don't know what the spirit is always doing, but we also do know that the spirit's giving life. And what does that mean? That means that the spirit is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and gives us that life. In fact, John 6, 63, when Jesus is dealing with his disciples and he deals on several things, but he had said to uh, many at one point in time, he says, unless you uh, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part in me. And that causes many of his followers to leave him. And they say it's a hard saying and who can understand it? But Jesus says in verse 63 of chapter six, he says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The word that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And what he's saying there is the flesh cannot give you the things of life. The flesh cannot give you hope and understanding. What does give you hope and understanding, what does give you life, that eternal life, is the spirit. Or better said, the Holy Spirit gives us life. The flesh profits nothing. And he says, I, the things I say to you, the good news that I'm giving you, the word which I am, the word made flesh, the word of God which I speak to you, he says, they're spirit and they are life. 
those words of spirit and life, and that's important. First Peter one twenty three tells us this, and it is a neat passage. I would encourage you to break down First Peter and especially the end of the chapter. He says, being born again, that we're born again, not of corruptible seed. Notice he's speaking back to that flesh being born of flesh. He's not talking about that. When, when we are conceived in our mother's womb, he's not talking about that kind of seed, but we're being born again, not of that seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Notice Jesus said that in John chapter uh, six, he, that, that seed that is born in us, that seed that is, it makes us a new creature, that seed that gives us a new spirit, that spirit that is born again comes from the seed of God's word. And it, it's not corruptible, it's incorruptible. And it lives and abides forever, which means it is eternal. It's eternal. And so the spirit that is born in us, not of flesh, but of spirit, is born and it's eternal. James 1.18 says this, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Notice, he brings us forth or he conceives us out by the word of truth that we might be the first fruits of his creatures. That's easy for me to say. We're the first fruit of his creatures. And what does that mean? We're a new creation. And in fact, uh, the Bible tells us that we're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Well, what is new? If our body and our soul are, are new, how are they new? Our body's not new, obviously. And now are, is our soul being changed? Yeah. Is our soul being saved? Yes. Is our soul being uh, made into the uh, will of the Father, or is God guiding us to his will and teaching us to walk by faith in that will? Sure, there's a change that's taking place in our soul. Our, our soul is obviously being renewed and remade and given hope and life. There is change that's assuredly happening in our soul, but it's not something new. It's not a new creation. It's not a new creature. We're a new creature when we're given a new spirit. So we go from being a body and a soul to a body, a soul, and a spirit. And that's obviously something new. He says in Titus 3, 5, it says, not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of, his, of our Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. Notice when we're born again, that begins that process of salvation. We're saved, we're saved by the washing of regeneration. What's regenerated? Remember, regeneration is taking something that's dead and making it alive. It's not our soul because our soul's not dead. Our soul is alive. Our soul is just separated from God. Our soul is just cut off from uh, his will and his way, but it's alive. Your soul is alive forever, whether it's in God's will or not. Now, if you don't have a spirit, then you're not of the kingdom and you cannot see the kingdom, but your soul is cut off from God. And just like uh, the rich man and Lazarus in the story of Jesus, that he tells the rich man's soul went down to hell. That means he was separated from God. But our spirit, when we're regenerated, the renewing of the Holy Spirit begins to help and work with the Holy Spirit to wash and clean, cleanse and save us. And what is being saved? Well, your flesh is not being saved, but your soul is. And he says, it says in verse five, five, verse 26 of Ephesians chapter five, that he might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of the water by the word. And that is the sanctification process. The word makes us a new creature and then it sanctifies us through the process of be, us being washed and cleansed and making me being made new. 
and being made. And you can also see the understand and have an understanding of God's washing or his salvific process that in Ephesians 5, 26, which we just went over. You also see it in Romans chapter 12, verse two. He says, uh, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice your mind is not being made alive again. It's being made renewed. It's being changed. It's being made with hope and life in it that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And then you also see that spelled out in 1 Corinthians 3.18 and 1 Corinthians 4.6. As you can see, the regenerative process of God, the process of making us a new creature, the process of making us born again is the process of the Spirit of God coming and conceiving in us, just like Jesus was conceived in the womb, a new spirit. And that new spirit communes with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit and our spirit live inside of us. And therefore, the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God, eternity itself is inside of us. And we are born again. And the process of salvation begins. And the process of the call of God to our soul to turn and to be changed. We call it, we call it redemption. That process begins and begins working. And as that goes on and as you're being wooed and you're being called, you turn and and you repent and you chase after God, you're converted and your mind and your heart change from your will to change to God's will. And salvation is at work in our lives until the day we die. And then our bodies glorified. We get rid of these old bodies and we get new ones. And we have life. He says, in, it says in 1 John 5, 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is begotten of God. Meaning, notice, he begot us by the Father's will. He made us a new creature. He begotten us of God. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is begotten of God. And whoever loveth him that begot him loveth also those that that is uh, also that is begotten of him. Meaning once you're begotten again, you love God and you love all of, of those who are begotten of him, meaning all of those who are born again. And that's ultimately what's going on. We are conceived by God in our bodies, a new spirit. And that new spirit loves God. That new spirit loves our neighbor. And that new spirit loves the begotten of God, the other believers. And uh, that's a natural uh, reaction of it. And so the law of the spirit is made alive and made possible in us. I hope this has been a great understanding. I pray that it'll show you some things and I give you an understanding of the work that God's doing in your life. It's very freeing because it, it gives you the understanding that you're not having to do it. God's doing it. What you are doing is you're joining him in the salvific process and you're allowing his full work to be done in you. And it's not, uh, the burden's not on, all the burden for you is to trust him, to have faith him, in him, to walk according to his will. And I pray that that'll be the case for you. And I expect that'll be the case for you as you live your life and as you walk with him. May God bless you and keep As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.